So look at Proverbs chapter 1. And look at what verse 1 says. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for obtaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Everybody said? Amen. As we just pause just for a moment here, I want to pray. And then Adolfo, anyone that comes to the 201 class that you recognize that comes late, make sure they get a 100-word uh, paper, okay? Let's pray. Father God. We thank you for today, and we thank you for your word that teaches us how to understand wisdom and knowledge and how to receive more words of wisdom and knowledge. I pray that as leaders here, that everyone will have a hunger to desire wisdom and knowledge and grow in it in every area of their life, wisdom in ministry, wisdom in their family, wisdom in their schooling, wisdom in all that they do, Father God, from their personal life and private life to their public life and the ministry you've given them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now just hold your place right there and go to the sister passage of Brother Proverbs. Go to the Sister James passage. A lot of scriptures have brothers and sisters, some of the same kind of things being said. The way to look at it is that they are relatives, brother and sister. Here is this passage, the sibling of Proverbs in James chapter 1, starting in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So you understand that every one of you here who says, man, I want to understand things. I want to understand the Bible more. I want to understand how to be a student, how to get a good job, how to increase on the job that I already have. Well, the Bible says you can ask him. Now, verse 6 gives you the qualification that you have uh, have to have in your heart when you're asking. It says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So you see that the requirement to receive wisdom is you have to believe you can receive it. You have to have faith that God will answer your prayer. And the fear that I have for this congregation is that you would become double-minded, rather concerned. Fear is not a good word. Fear uh, talks about what I'm afraid you might do and how it affects me. Let me tell you something. Whether you're a fool or whether you're wise, I'm still going to live for Jesus. Amen? Fear is not the right word. A concern. Because a concern affects you, even though it may not affect me, and it hurts me to see things happen in people's life. I'm concerned that sometimes in this congregation people are double-minded. Whether it's the calling of God they're double-minded over, 
they're double-minded of what church to belong to. Some, you know, some of you here have been for a while and you've seen people come and go, and they're double-minded over their calling. Others are double-minded over relationships. Well, I don't know if I should go out with this person. I don't know if it's this person while they're in single mode. You know, they don't know how to find the right person. In other words, date like a Christian. And now with SUM coming on board, a new semester, you know, uh, 16 students here all going through the school. The question can be, you know, am I really called to ministry when the going gets tough? The answer is yes, you are because you're here. Now don't be double-minded and get over it. So here is the answer to anyone who lacks wisdom. Ask God and receive and read the book of Proverbs. Because go back over Proverbs chapter 1. I used to sit down with people when I would witness to them, and I would say, do you want to understand the Bible? And they would say, yeah. I'd say, do you want to really get in depth with it? Especially in the inner city, you know, when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I want to do this, and you never see them again, okay? These were the things that I would show them right here. I would say, if you want to grow in wisdom, read the book of Proverbs, because it says this book, verse 2, will give you wisdom and discipline. This book will help you understand words of insight. How many think the Bible is a book with words of insight? Amen? Do you think it's any coincidence that most Christians that I talk to have a successful walk with God, love the book of Proverbs? Do you think it's any coincidence that somebody like myself, who's a preacher today, the first book I sat down and went verse by verse and wrote in my journal what it meant to me was the book of Proverbs? No coincidence at all. Why? Because the book of Proverbs is going to begin to teach you how to understand everything else that you need to know. It says in verse 3, it will give you the acquiring of discipline and a prudent life. So as leaders, you must acquire discipline. If you don't come on time, how can you expect others to come on time? If you're not prudent in what you do, how can you expect others to be prudent? If you're not wise in your behavior how can you expect your children to be wise all of us here want to have children some of us already do how can we expect our children to value education not only of this world but biblical education if we don't value it if you believe that we can grow in wisdom through reading the book of proverbs can you say amen so everybody say god give me wisdom give me more wisdom give me understanding so i can live a disciplined life so I can live a prudent life, so I can have knowledge to give to others in Jesus' name. Okay, so let's talk about them, some things to be wise with. Number one, Proverbs chapter 2 says that wisdom cries aloud. Number one, you have to get hungry for wisdom. The part about being wise is always hungering for wisdom. The wisest people of the world understand they don't know half of anything. Okay? Sir Isaac Newton said for the whole of his life, all he wanted to do was understand the things that he didn't know. Because he realized he didn't know more than he knew. Or he, yeah, that's right, he did not, he knew that he did not know more than he knew. Something like that? Does that make sense? I confuse myself. I'll tell you another person who said it better. Albert Einstein drew a circle. And you can draw it on your notes right now. Just draw a circle. And say, Inside the circle is everything I know. Outside of the circle is everything I don't know. The more your circle grows, the bigger the circumference will be of what you don't know. 
That's what Albert Einstein said. He said, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Now, that doesn't mean you walk around as a fool or an idiot. It just says you always pursue wisdom. I love the example that my friend Juan gave me when I was in uh, New Orleans. And I was talking to him about baby Bethany and how we're not getting on the feeding schedule that we need to and, and how we need to make some adjustments. And they raised six children in excellence. And their best friends, uh, good friends Dylan, has raised, uh, I think it's of nine children now. And so we're getting advice from them. And you guys would do well to hear some of this advice. It's, some of it's tough, but it's good advice from people who have had a lot of children. It was really challenging me. And so I was saying to Juan, Man, if I can just get over this, just this hump right now as a baby, I'll, I'll do good for the rest of the part of raising the child. And he was just like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He says, this is the easy part. Wait till they start running. Wait till they start talking. It gets harder. And you see, what that immediately showed me is that as a parent, I always have to desire to be a better parent. That now as a parent of an infant, as a growing baby i need to understand that season need to have wisdom as the child becomes a toddler need to have wisdom as the child becomes a young child need to have wisdom an adolescent a teenager a young adult an adult a middle-aged man woman you understand parents parent for their whole life amen and so the great thing about wisdom is look at what it does chapter 2 verse 1 my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn in your ear to wisdom and apply in your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for his hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So all I have to do is cry out for wisdom. Somebody say, help me, Lord. Give me wisdom. The Bible says if you want it more than silver or gold, it will be given to you. If you read through the rest of this chapter right here, you'll see that wisdom is a benefit to you because wisdom makes your life easier. How many know that air conditioning came from somebody who was wise? Makes our life easier. How many know the car you rode in today? came from somebody wise. It wasn't a fool who came up with the design of a car. You understand? So number one principle is always desire wisdom. Number two, found right in the beginning parts of Proverbs, is understand the fear of the Lord. You ever seen in sports, the person make the touchdown, they get down, they point their finger to heaven? We like that around here, right, Ish? We like that. Whether or not they're living for God, that's another question we don't know. But we like that. Because you know what it does? It gives honor to God. And ultimately, honor comes out of fear of the Lord. And what that means is, I just ran a touchdown. I knocked down the other players. But I couldn't put one foot in front of the other if God wouldn't have brought me here. Now, you might say, well, the other player who made a touchdown put one foot in front of the other. And he never pointed his finger to heaven. You know, you know why? Because he's a fool. You might say, well, he did it without God's help. He didn't pray before the game. No, he's a fool. He doesn't understand that God gave him all that he has. See, he's a fool. You say, well, why is he a fool? Well, go back to Proverbs chapter 1. It's very simple. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. He's a fool. And all throughout this message, if you want to remember Mr. T's words, it always helps me. What do we do with fools? Pity the fool. 
You pity the fool. You feel sorry for the fool. Because when he gets up to heaven, he cannot run himself into the glory of God. He will be cast into hell. And he cannot outrun demons or angels. Whoever brings him there, he will suffer the punishment. So he's a fool. You see, the fear of the Lord is this. Write it down very simply. As you read the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is this. I cannot do anything without God. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord also goes on to, if I disrespect and dishonor God, He will punish me. But the most basic understanding of the fear of the Lord, if you read it right here at the first part of Proverbs, it's saying that I better understand I don't know anything unless God tells me. And I can't do anything unless God enables me. And I fear what life would be without God's wisdom and enablement. And anybody who says that that is not an issue to them is a fool. And as you're going to learn later in Proverbs, it's also keeping of the commands and the righteous things. And when you don't do that out of wisdom, you are a fool because you don't understand the punishment of God towards those who disobey Him. But those of us who obey God have a fear of God because we understand. I break a law, a policeman finds me. I break a serious enough law, I go to jail. I make a real bad law, I'll get the death penalty. We understand that. Christians say, I break God's law, I'll suffer on this earth. Ultimately, I'll be damned to hell forever. Anyone who does not think that way is a fool. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a fool? If you're not a fool, don't get offended. Just say, I'm not a fool. (laughs) I ain't no fool. Now, Number one is to always desire wisdom. Number two is to have the fear of the Lord. And now let's get to number three. Number three is the warning against adultery and sexual impurity. Pastor, what does that have to do with wisdom? Well, if you ask God, I believe he would say that your sexuality could be the biggest blessing or biggest hindrance of your life outside of the spiritual things you do. Let me explain that. Your sexuality will lead to you having a wife or a husband, which will be the closest relationship you'll have with anybody on this planet other than God. It will then lead you to produce children, which will become the greatest responsibility that you'll ever have on this planet other than that which you have to God. So if there's any area you need to be wise in, it is in your sexuality. Right now we have an epidemic of abortion. 50 million children have been aborted in America. That is a third of our population for 18 to 35-year-olds. A third of the generation I'm a part of has been aborted. Are you listening to me? A third. And that is because people do not know how to be wise in sexuality. Homosexuality is on the rise, taking over state and government, Right now, because either they have come from a broken family or have been broken sexually and have not been healed. And it's all because of wisdom and sexuality. I was listening to a debate, and this is supposed to be for people who can understand things that are mature. Amen? So guard your children if you can't handle it. So make sure they understand that they were in a Bible study today for mature people. I was listening to Dr. Michael Brown have his website on the link that you can get a part of uh, and, and 
contact him and email him and ask him questions and also listen to all of his good stuff. I was listening to him with the debate with the homosexual, and he was just simply said, it's unnatural if God intended men and men to have sex or women and women to have sex, then they would produce offspring. It's a simple argument. It's the wisest argument. There's no other better rational argument to that. It doesn't belong together. It's common sense. And then the man jokingly says, well, as a man, if it wasn't meant to fit, then God wouldn't allow it to fit where it does. Speaking about anal sex, well, the only reason why it fits there is because they have to break open that part of the man's body, and it brings sickness and disease to the man's body. And for the women, that argument doesn't work. They have to introduce plastic manufacturers, uh, manufacture, uh, manufactured parts to imitate the man's body. So it's unnatural. So you're saying, Pastor, what's the solution? Wisdom. Common sense. Amen? It's wisdom. Wisdom would keep people pure sexually. Look at Proverbs 7. Wisdom. Here specifically dealing with adultery. Men and women cheating, having sex outside of marriage with someone that is not their husband or wife. Here's the warning in Proverbs. Why is there so much given to this? Chapter 6 and chapter 7 deal with it. Because sexuality deals with all these parts of your life. Verse 1. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your kinsmen. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. And you could put in there anything sexually destructive. They will keep you from homosexuality. They will keep you from masturbation, pornography. They will keep you from sexuality with multiple people you're not married to. They will keep you from all of these things. Wisdom. Every man here, listen to me. God's word will keep you from adultery. It will keep me from adultery, especially the book of Proverbs. Because as you read the book of Proverbs, it gives the illustrations of sexuality done wrong as bringing hot coals into your hands and to your chest, and it asks you, can you do that and not get burned? Then how do you think you can do sexuality wrong and not be affected by it? A major part of your life, if not one of the biggest part of your lives, is going to be your sexuality. And what brings ministers down and breaks families quicker than anything is sexual misconduct. But there's wisdom in the Word of God to teach you to be pure. Here's some guidelines. Number one, guards your eyes. It says it right here. Make God's command the apple of your eye, not Hooters.com. Not sexy mama walking down the street. Are you listening to me? Number two. Be accountable. It says it right here. It says, say to wisdom, you're my sister. It says, and she will keep you. And, and, and understanding your kins, kinsmen. 
Who is a kinsman to you with understanding? Who is a sister of wisdom that can be your wife? Literally, be wisdom to me, wife, honey. Be wisdom to me. Guard me. Keep me accountable. Ask me if I'm doing the wrong things. Brother, be understanding to me. You know what it's like. You understand. Be that in my life. Because we know understanding doesn't just float around somewhere. It's put in people's hearts. Wisdom will be in your wife's heart to guard you, married men. And if you find a Christian man, understanding will be in his to guard you. And number three, if you can't quit it, cut it off. Because the Bible says if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And it's better to go to heaven being called righty than to go to hell with both arms. Amen? And you say, Pastor, should I emasculate myself? I would do everything but that. I would cut off TV. If you can't handle it, don't watch TV. If the job you're working at causes you to lust, don't go to that job anymore. It's better for you to work by yourself as a migrant farmer in the fields of Mexico with one arm and a blinded eye with a mule than to go to hell working downtown lusting after women because you commit adultery. Do whatever it takes. Cut it off. Live sexually pure. Women, same thing. Young girls, don't sit with the guys that are flirting with you. Don't be with girls who lead astray, who go to parties. Guard yourself in sexuality, and you'll live a prosperous life. You'll have a blessed life. The Bible says, Cursed is the man who lies with another woman that is not his wife. Cursed is him. The Bible says then that the cursings fall from the parents to the children to three and four generations of those who disobey God. And we see it right now. Fatherless homes produce fatherless homes. Alcoholic homes produce alcoholic homes. Teen pregnant homes produce teen pregnant homes. All of the curses in family can be stopped if people would have wisdom in dealing with their sexuality. Don't date somebody that's outside of God's will. Don't allow alcoholism in your house. Don't have sex recreationally until you get married and then it's fun. You can do it as a sport and win a gold medal between you and your wife. Amen? Praise God. Number one, desire wisdom. Number two, fear the Lord. Number three, guard your sexuality. Number four, everybody say number four, have discipline. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 12. Of course, I could highlight 30 points in chapter uh, in Proverbs. By the way, if some of you want to know what are my next projects for writing, I have this great idea. And if you want to steal it and get to it first, you can. God bless you. Amen. Any writers in here want to be radical? Maybe Rachel wants to do it. I want to write 12 30-day devotionals that can be sold separately or as one book for the whole year. And I want 30 days to be the theme. So it's 30 days of wisdom. And what I do is every day for those 30 days, I give you a proverb, explain it, and ask you to pray and act on it. So you want the next 30 days to be growth and wisdom, 30 days of wisdom. Next one, 30 days of soul winning. I give you 30 scriptures on soul winning, write down something about it, challenge you to do it, you'll increase in soul winning. 
30 days of a godly home, 30 scriptures on home. And so my goal is to make 12 of these, and they'll be there in the back. And any time you're going through a season that you just need to increase in one of these areas, you just go back there, $2, they're little mini books, you read through it every day, you pray, add it to your devotion, you grow in wisdom. And that's one of the things I want to do because there's so many areas of life that many of you don't know that the Bible addresses. And not only does it address it once, it addresses it at least 30 times. And I'm going to put it in a written format so you can be blessed. Praise God. And one of them is going to be 30 days of living under authority. Living under authority. To help people understand authority. Because being wise is being disciplined. In discipline, you know who's an authority because you'll get disciplined if you don't. You understand? And I'm not saying that women are like children. It's just there has to be a head of the home. Where the man sets the order with the wife. The husband and wife have to, have to set the order with the children. Husbands and wives and children set order in the church. And then the church should set the order in the community. The people who say, keep your church out of our government. No, we won't. We will put our church all up in your government. Because that's the way it was meant to be. I can't remember who it is, and maybe you can shout out to me, that said, unless the people of America are governed by the Bible, our governments will count nothing. John Adams. It's, it was never meant to rule. Our Constitution was never meant to rule a people other than those who fear the Lord and understand the God of Christianity. The only separation is between denominationalism and the government. There can't be the Church of England in America controlling everything. The Church of America. That's what they were separating from in their day. It was called the Church of England, where the queen and the head leaders and bishops controlled everything. What it was to do was to protect the church so it wouldn't be controlled by the government. That's what that letter means, separation of church and state, by the way. Amen? But it never meant that we weren't supposed to influence our government with our God-fearing beliefs. And I'm not even talking about fringe issues. Everybody in America has to speak in tongues. No, I'm talking about the most basic Bible beliefs. We're created in the image of God. Respect the image. Family is husband and wife. You don't steal. You don't murder. Read the first laws of the Puritans if you want to just scare yourself one day a little bit, I guess. Because a lot of us already would have been stoned and put into the stocks and tarred and feathered. Amen? Praise God that the Puritans didn't take over. They had a good point, but they were on the, the extreme side. If you want to study them, by the way, they were very extreme. They whipped you. They burned witches. They did what the Bible said in the Old Testament. But they didn't quite understand grace, and there should be a balance. Amen? But love, discipline. Number four, look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is, come on, he who hates correction is stupid. You know, the Bible gives us permission to call people stupid. It's those who hate correction. And I know it's a bad word. We don't enjoy saying it, and we ought not to say it unless there's a real good reason to say it. But there are times, parents, that if you see your children going wayward, you need to tell them you are acting stupid and to do this is stupid. For you to drop out of school is stupid. For you to get pregnant is stupid. For you to act this way is a fool, is the way of a fool. 
The same thing in the church. To be rebellious, to not be disciplined, to not read your Bible and pray is stupid. To not come to prayer meetings, to not involve yourself in what God is doing, and you live in the land of freedom is stupid. Jesus would rebuke you if he was here. He would take a whip and whip you if he was here. Amen? Oh, come on. Amen? He would do that to the fool that was here. You're saying, well, I thought he would pity me. He would pity you all the way to the bathroom and spank you. Amen? Because he pitied you so much. We don't look at our children and say, they're so undisciplined, I just pity them and let them alone. We pity their undisciplined life. We feel sorry for them. I understand letting my baby cry through the night because we will not let her be fed in the middle of the night. Now that's one of the things we learn. I feel sorry for her, but I will not take the discipline away from her. Because if she does not learn to go through the whole night at a certain age, she will keep us up forever. And if she doesn't learn to sleep by herself, then she'll sleep in our bed forever at a young age. And it goes all the way through parenting. And it goes all the way through your job. There are some people here, you've lost a job only because of stupidity. It wasn't the devil's fault. It wasn't that, you know, you were being attacked from, you know, Beelzebub. Beelzebub was attacking you. No, you came late all the time. You got fired because you talked back to the boss. Okay? Let's keep it real. Some of your marriages are struggling, not because you're just so awesome. And like I said, the Lord of the flies, Beelzebub himself, is attacking you, the prince of demons. No, it's because somebody in the marriage is a fool. They're acting stupid. They're not under authority. They're not understanding authority. And that comes from discipline. Amen? Sometimes doing the right thing will come with suffering. Don't get me wrong. But the book of Proverbs paints the clear picture that a smooth path is before those who walk in wisdom. And what that means is they do not stumble over the things in darkness that the world stumbles over. There may be a time where you lose your job, but it won't be because of your stupidity. There may be a time a marriage goes through a bumpy road. Maybe there's disagreements, there's stress, but it won't be because of stupidity. The number one guard against all of the issues that can come into your life is wisdom through discipline. Let me give you a couple examples of this. Discipline your words. Is anybody taking notes, by the way, or is everybody just memorizing this today? I don't know. Maybe that takes wisdom to discipline yourself, to bring a pen and paper to a Sunday school class. Thank you for those who did. Now we're moving to do it. Don't do it, boo. It's too late. See, those of you here, use wisdom next time. I always have my phone on me, and I take notes every time somebody preaches. Number one, be disciplined in the words you speak. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the words speak. You speak words of folly on your job, you'll be treated like a fool. You speak words of anger and frustration to your husband or your wife, they will reciprocate it back to you. You know that in marriage, if somebody starts a fight, normally there's a fight, and it takes two to fight. Guard your words with your friends. Guard your words with the people you meet. And show discipline. How often have I had to say that was stupid? Why did I say that? You see, our words can get us in a lot of trouble, but discipline will save us. Number two, be disciplined in your devotions. The reason why some of you do not get revved up in the presence of God until the fifth song at the third altar call is because you lived a backslidden week. 
You were so far from the presence of God, you couldn't find yourself back to it with a GPS. You don't know where you are. You're lost. You don't know what God's trying to say. Why? Because you haven't been with them all day. You haven't been with them all week. Have a consistent devotional life. Wake up in the morning. Hey, God, what's going on? What's the issues in my life? I need to change. Give me wisdom. Be disciplined in your words. Be disciplined in your devotional life. Be disciplined in relationships. There's a boss that's over you. Be disciplined. Come on time. Stay late. Be disciplined in your ministry. Somebody's over you. Somebody's over the band. Somebody's over this church. Praise God. Amen. Somebody's over me who's over this church. Praise God. Be disciplined in relationships. Wives, don't be rebellious towards your husbands. Husbands, don't frustrate your family. Children, obey your parents. Three ways to be disciplined. Guard your words. Guard them. Don't just speak whatever you want to speak. It comes natural to everybody to tell somebody off, to be negative. Watch your words. Number two, guard your devotional life. We recommend at least an hour a day to serve the Lord on your own. You are a priest of God. Do devotions with your family. Do it after dinner. Brother Anthony's still doing it after 20 years with his family. So those of you who want to predict that Nancy and I won't be able to make it to hell with your devilish lies. <laughs> if anybody here has said that, now you know where they can go. I hate it when people try to discourage me when I set up discipline in my family. Don't let people discourage you. I know we all don't come from godly families. I know the things we do here are strange compared to other people. But discipline yourself. And number three, discipline yourself in your relationships. And lastly, thank you for joining us. We're finishing up Sunday school. Number five, detest what is evil and love what is good. Detest what is evil, but love what is good. Proverbs 15, verse 19. The Lord detests the way of the wicked. But he loves those who pursue righteousness. You want to grow in wisdom? You and I want to become more and more wise like Christ? Want to guard our life? Put a path before us? Hate wickedness. Detest it in any form. Proverbs 15.9. Detest it in any form. When you come to your taxes next year, don't lie and cheat even if someone gives you permission to detest it. If someone on your job says, well, you could just do it this way, even though the boss told you another way, detest it. If wickedness comes to you young people in the form of friends who are cool, who have nicer hairdo and wear cooler clothes, and they glitter with all of their jewelry, and they're just so darn adorable, and you just want to sit with them at the lunch table because they're the cute girls, Resist them. Resist them. And when the cool guys come with their skateboards or soccer ball or basketball or football and they tell you to disobey the Lord and to do all this crazy stuff, resist them. Resist. Fight back with your words and say, I will not. No means no. I don't do that. And then pursue righteousness. Pursue it. 
pretend righteousness is a million dollar car in front of a car filled with a million dollars going five miles ahead of you and you all you have to do is touch it and you get all the cash inside like some game show pursue that righteousness if there was a little you know, PT Cruiser with a million dollars in cash, and I set it out about a half a mile in front of you, and it was only going five miles an hour, and I said, if you can get it within a half a mile, you got it. You know everybody here would be sprinting. You know you would be falling on yourself. You know you would be sweating. You'd be hearing chariots of fire in the background. Dun, 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 dun. And you would just be running after that. You know you would. I would. I'm not even going to say if I told all of us to run after the same car, they would get ugly. Oh, Lord. But pursue righteousness. Run after it. Always see the good you can do. Well, I can be good to my neighbor. I can pick up the thing they left in my yard and not throw it back in their yard, but knock on the door and give it to them politely. I can do good to my family. Stay home tonight. Don't have to go watch the ball game at Bob's house. and Just do some family time. I can do good to my church. Come early. Stay late. I can do good to my friends. Pray for them. Love them. Just see righteousness always as the target you're aiming for and pursue it. Amen? Can we stand to our feet? Praise God. Band, would you come? And then we're going to pray just for a few moments and then have a time of fellowship before the service. Good to see everybody here coming on time. The third Sunday of every month is always Sunday school, just an encouragement to leaders, encouragement to those in this church that want to grow and develop. I gave you five principles on how to grow in wisdom. Number one, who remembers what it was? Shout it out. You're so close. Number one, what was the first principle of wisdom? Anybody remember? So I got to do a better job. Maybe if you guys were here, you would have it. Does anybody have it? First principle of wisdom. Guard your words was the first principle of of a point. Who remembers? Nobody remembers. Tell me this doesn't show us how much we need to work on growing in wisdom. If somebody would have been taking notes, you would have the first point. Note to all those listening to me now, take notes. So all of you ought to do yourself a service by going back and listening to the message because you obviously miss parts of it. And that's why they're there for wisdom's sake that you can go back and listen to them. The number one point of wisdom is to desire wisdom. Remember, I said you have to desire it. That's the number one point of wisdom. Number two point of wisdom is what? Fear of the Lord. Amen. Somebody caught up. Good job. One of the youngest among us. Praise the Lord. Let's give it up for a young person understanding what we're talking about. It should be a challenge to all of our elders. Amen. Amen. Fear the Lord. Understand that if you do the wrong thing, you'll be punished. You'll be rewarded if you do the right thing. And that you can't do anything without God. Number three, what is a way to be wise and grow in wisdom? There we go. Guard your sexuality because almost everything will come from that. Your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children, all comes through sexuality. Number four, 
How do we grow in wisdom? Have discipline. There you go. Now we're caught up. And number five, do what? Detest what? Evil and pursue righteousness. See, don't just listen to Sunday schools. Let them go one ear and out the other. Let them go to your heart and your mind and chew on it this week. Do you know that the Hebrew word for meditate comes from the same word that they use that a cow has in digestion? A cow doesn't have one stomach. It has multiple stomachs. And when it eats something, it goes to one stomach, gets some nutrients there, and then it goes to another stomach and another stomach, and it has multiple stomachs. That same word meditate comes from that word, which means to chew on continually. It's called chewing the cud when they're digesting it multiple times. Anybody ever heard that, chewing the cud? The cows chew the cud. It's basically chewing on their own puke. But it's a part of their digestion. The Bible says that the Word of God is bread. You need to chew on it. And you need to chew on it this week. You need to chew on it next week. And you need to keep chewing on it because what you're learning here is important. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, give us wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom right now in any of the areas we talked about and all the many points we brought up, just start to ask the Lord right now. Come on. The Bible says He gives liberally, generously. If you don't doubt, you can receive right now.